T-Swivel all day. Hey, thanks for downloading the Table Talk Radio podcast. We talk about this song, You Need to Calm Down, and what it means, what you would say to Taylor Swift if you were talking to her about it. We talk about the triangle of the, of the oppressed, oppressor, and defender, and how to engage in these cultural things with a little bit of grace and godly confidence. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Only thing better than Table Talk Radio is absolute silence. This is Table Talk Radio. All right, ready I, for I another? Would, I would suggest that there's a lot of things better than Table Talk Radio. <laughs> well, absolute true. silence is being one of the many options for... <laughs> That's true. Uh, now, y- you are, you got your... Th- the your- list of things better than Table Talk Radio is a long list. <laughs> Silence being... Start. One, right yeah, a good, a, good, a good start. Now, you, you have your finger on the on pulse of pop culture. You, have, you know all the oh, latest yeah. crazed songs that... Sure I do. That, so, uh, including uh, Taylor Swift's latest stuff. So, you know, I can see Taylor Swift on the... On the, uh, on the on the phone there, jamming on the way to church here at Pastor Wolfmiller's car. So we're going to be taking a listen to that when uh, preaching oh, yeah. to Hollywood. And that's all we have planned so far. So we're going to see where things go. That's not all we're going to do, but that's all we have planned to do. <laughs> yeah, but, as, the show, as the show unfolds, I'm sure that we'll be adding more stuff to the know, soup. You know, all the... <laughs> yeah, that's just right. Just think of Tabletop Radio like a pot of prison soup, you know? You just... <laughs> You just put the leftovers in and scoop out whatever's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of like leftovers for Thanksgiving. Just kind of, hey, let's put a little bit of that in, a little bit of this. Pot. Yeah, that's that's what this is like. Uh, that's what it's like. So uh, then, what? I guess we'll just dive into buzzwords then. Yes, that's right. My buzzword for you is great exchange. Remember that idea? Ah, great nice, exchange. Nice, nice. This is the idea that Jesus takes what's ours and we get what's his. So probably the clearest text on this is this beautiful. Oh, oh, oh. This beautiful text from Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says that God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have this doctrine taught. Also, Psalm 32 is a great one. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. So that, so that sin and righteousness are, are, are had and are also imputed. So... You and I have sin and death, and yet the Lord doesn't impute them to us. He imputes them onto Christ. He makes Jesus sin for us. And then he takes the righteousness and the perfection of Jesus and imputes it to us, our account, so that we have the right, the righteousness, the perfection, the holiness of Christ. It, it's us. It's ours. That's the great exchange. Nice. All right. That's beautiful. 
I have. So your your uh, buzzword is gospel. Mine is law. All right. Uh, my Fingers. theological buzzword for you is blaspheme. Uh, this 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 comes up in the second commandment, right? So that we should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And the uh, catechism talks about uh, cursing. Oh, but you know, we should probably say that. Uh, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So in the catechism, under cursing God's name, it says blaspheming God by speaking evil of him or mocking him. So certainly uh, we might think uh, of uh, mocking or um, uh, you know, speaking uh, evil of God would be a, a blaspheme, and that is uh, certainly true. But really, one of the ways that we we blaspheme God is to uh, reject His His word and reject His His promises. Um, so I remember th- this this for some reason sticks out in my mind. But like 15 years ago or something crazy like that, there was kind wow, of a 15 years ago when you were like six, right? Uh, Sorry, there, there was a, there was like a, a campaign from some atheist group that uh, was doing the blasphemy challenge. You remember this? Oh, I and remember so, that. So it drew on this passage that says that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the un- only unpardonable sin. And so it was like, it's like you know, the atheist was sitting there saying, "Challenge accepted." You know, <laughs> so so they were wanting people, atheists of of all kinds, to take their little webcam, which was like extremely low def at that time <laughs> like you could see through the blur of that there was maybe a figure there and you have a person there saying um that i blaspheme the holy spirit and they thought well by by uh by, by doing that i'm showing that the bible can't intimidate me or something like that well um you know certainly that is a, a blaspheme but but what 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 the job of the holy spirit is um is to is to bring us to repentance and to bestow to us the gift of faith. So to to blaspheme him isn't isn't so much to to to, to utter the words of blasphemy to the third person of the Trinity, but is to reject then that which the Holy Spirit does. To to, to reject the the job, the, the the work, the office of the Holy Spirit to, to bring the gift of faith. So that, so that by rejecting that gift of faith, that we're putting ourselves outside of that only thing that can save us, faith in Christ. So so the unpardonable sin is not unpardonable because it is such a grievous sin, worse than all the others, um, as if the Holy Spirit just can't tolerate criticism like the other persons of the Trinity can. No, it's that the Holy Spirit is bringing to you the thing that saves you. And to reject that is to put yourself outside of salvation. Fantastic. How are they, how are they doing to just saying these? Because I remember the the anti-baptism thing was that was that the same thing where they were being unbaptized no that's something different it was a different thing mm. so how would they what would so what was they would just say i blaspheme the holy spirit like mm-hmm. that like that was what yeah. that was their formula for doing it yeah hmm. and then they declare themselves free from the oppression of thought or something like that i don't know <laughs> There's always this idea with the atheists, this kind of heroic conversion story. Like, <laughs> I used to be duped in believing in the spaghetti monster, but then I, I made this huge, like heroic leap to to only science. I mean, it's science interesting. Fornication. I'm 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 still but, puzzled by this. I mean, so you make the great point of having these conversion stories, and and uh, I don't I didn't really pay much attention to it, but I heard in one of the top of the hour news reports that there was atheist groups. I don't know what are they doing, like putting up, re, you know, winter festival 
displays, trying to force city governments into letting them put their public displays up and stuff like that. I mean, it's just insane. And uh, I, yeah, it's just, it makes you, I always scratch my head at that because I I understand what they're doing. They're trying to say, look, you have to treat all religions the same and I'm going to make up some phony religion. And because I'm an atheist, I think my phony religion is on par with your phony religion. Um, So I, I get what they're doing, but um, that is something quite different than the 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 Christian who's wanted to put things in the public square because the, the Christians have a reason to proselytize, right? I mean, Christians want to say, look, um, there is hope and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is a message worth proclaiming. But the question is, does the atheist have anything worth proclaiming? Like, even even if you thought religion is keeping people down and what we promote is is great freedom of thought. But to what end? <laughs> I mean, so so you get to have a free mind until for for the next forty years, and you, then you're put in the grave, and that's the end of it. I mean, you're right? I mean, wh- to what end do you strive free, to freedom? Here, here's the thing. Now, let me run this by you. I got. I wonder how to put this out there as a kind of straight thought, but because one of the one of the interesting dynamics of our cultural conversation is who is being oppressed by whom, mm-hmm. and so. The atheists understand themselves as oppressed. The those who are fighting for sexual freedom, especially the LGBTQI, QAI plus crowd, they feel themselves as oppressed. The so and generally, the the liberal side of things will see themselves as like the resistance fighting the oppressed, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. oppressing majority. But also the. Like the conservatives, especially theological conservatives, understand themselves as the majority. Christians understand themselves to be, sorry, the minority. Christians understand themselves to be the minority and to be persecuted and oppressed by the culture. So that we are in this very strange place where everyone understands themselves as the persecuted minority. That, that there is, and, and yet, yeah, you you look at the other one and you say, so. So like this, the atheists understand themselves to be the persecuted minority, and yet the Christian sees the atheist as proof of their own persecution. Mm. So, so, the, so that everybody un- has this understanding that they're on, they're on the majority thing. And I don't think I don't, most people can make sense of that, especially because they would say, well, look, there's more Christians than anything else. So why do you still think you're the persecuted minority if there's so many of you, Right. But here's maybe the second thing, which I think is important, is that even if the whole world was Christians, the Christians would would still understand themselves as persecuted because because the Christian understands that persecution comes not from like the cultural rule, but but the persecution comes from the world, the flesh and the devil. So persecution comes even inside of me. So even if the world was 100 percent Christian, the world itself would be fighting against us. Hmm. Our flesh would be fighting against us. In other words, and to put it kind of with a political bent, there's never more than fi- every Christian is only fifty percent Christian. <laughs> you hmm. see, because we have the flesh, which is fighting against us, even on the inside. So you can never be the majority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be a hundred percent not Christian, but you can, but you can never, as far as the kind of, because if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. So, 
So the world would understand oftentimes the conservative Christians to be the majority, whereas the Christians would never understand that about themselves. So we're in this weird argument where everyone thinks that they're the ones that, that are being persecuted. But doesn't that go to your kind of point that you made before that when, you, when you're the oppressed, then this kind of fight back is justified? Yep. So, so everyone kind of... The so there's, there's a different way that the Christian fights against persecution. Right. But that would be... That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll talk about that right after this. Busting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. So if I am one of the oppressed, then I am justified to go onto the Twitterverse and lambast someone because, now normally that would not be acceptable, but because I'm the oppressed, I can do that against the oppressor. Is that is that right. right? That's right. That's that old kind of story drama triangle. You have the oppressed, the oppressor, and the deliverer, and the deliverer gets to oppress the oppressor in even worse ways than the oppressor oppresses the oppressed. Are you drawing this? Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's righteous. So anything is righteous if it's for the sake of deliverance. Anything is unrighteous if it's for the sake of oppression. And this is the way that generally progressives would read the world. Now, the Christian would understand it more binary. There's just maybe persecuted and persecutor. But the Christian would always have a different reaction to persecution or to trouble, or to oppression, or to whatever. And that is to suffer quietly. That At least that that's the Christian idea. Although we sometimes get worked up politically about this because we want to sort of defend ourselves politically. And I, I guess you can for a little while. Like if someone, you know, if someone comes and spray paints your church, you, you call the police, that's fine. But, but then at, at some point... You, at some point, you don't. I mean, at some point, that's just how it goes. It's what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. So you're not trying to you're not trying to overcome the Christian is not trying to overcome persecution. We're not trying to to overthrow the persecutors. That's never the Christian idea because Jesus sits on the throne, and if he wants to do it, he can do it, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. So, but the but the if you do not have the doctrine of the ascension, and you are part of the persecuted. You will always be trying to overthrow the persecutor. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, what about the oppressed Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so we have this song. What can you tell us about this? I to the first part of the song, and um, it's talking about the, the people who are the trolls on the Twitter, mm -hmm. and I kind of like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then second stanza, it ramps things up, and it says it's talking about people who protest whatever, mostly LGBTQ AI plus uh, community protesters. They, uh, and there's this line in there that says, shade never made anybody less gay, which is a great line. I mean, it's bad, but it's a great musical line, I suppose. So anyway, <laughs> that's the song. I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? It's called, uh, You Need to Calm Down. 
detailed that. This is so. Um, uh, this is uh, this is we're preaching to Hollywood. I think is the game we're playing with this. So I hope so. <laughs> hope this isn't pre song cruncher. <laughs> All right, here's the song from Taylor Swift. Is that what it is? Snakes and stones? No, it's sticks and stones. Do you want me to get to the second stanza here? Yeah, yeah, I just. I like to call them stanzas when there's Taylor Swift singing. I, I think they count as stanzas. That was the bridge. No, that was the refrain. Here it is. Okay, now here, this is the. This is your favorite part. The boom, boom. You are somebody that we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. You mad when you could be glad. Sunshine on the street at the parade. But you would rather be in the dark age. Just making that sign. Must have taken all night. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. All right, so there's the song. I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics. Why are you mad when you could be glad? G L A A D, <laughs> which is that acronym, which I think it yeah. used to mean gay and lesbian, a f- something, a s- defense, alliance, and defense. But it can't mean that anymore because. It's patriarchal to put the G before the L. <laughs> this is a big deal. You don't know this? Because you can't say G-L-B-T. Because why do the guys get to go first? It's always got to be L-G-B-T. But I don't know. Why does it, why does the T have to go last? Why can't the T be first? I think you have to stack them all on top of each other. But then yeah. who's on top? You have to just right. pile all the letters. When you type it out... You have to type all the letter backspace type type so all the letters are piled on top so it's just like a blob so that no one gets to go first. I don't know why Taylor Swift has all been out of shape about people hating because Cater's going to hate. You know, doesn't she know that? Hey, that's right. <laughs> shake it off. <laughs> hey, shake it off. She's yeah. Um boy, Taylor Swift has come a long way from being a country singer, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh well. Um uh, glad, by the way, I heard about the glad the other day on the um, Al Mohler's briefing because they keep track of the of the uh, uh, of the percentage of LGBTQAI plus individuals represented in popular media, like by percentages and stuff. And they have goals like there has to be like 10 percent of whatever, like 10 percent 
African-American transgender people over the age of 70 in this amount of movies by the year 2020. Like, they have these stats. It's like... uh, it's like what is it called when you you're trying to ramp up your, the different percentages of of racial backgrounds? Uh, affirmative action. Yeah, yeah. It's like affirmative action for sexual orientation in the culture movies. Glad is all about it, and apparently they're way ahead of schedule. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know that that surprises me that they're ahead of schedule. I, I mean, listen. I mean, if if you're, it's not like you're trying to get the movie makers in the Bible Belt to conform to your way of thinking. You've got, like, Hollywood's kind of on your side on this project. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, try, try to go to Universal Studios in uh, Burbank and saying, hey, anyone here pro-gay? Uh, they all are. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, this is... Why... So this is the thing, is like, why, um, so they... Th- so you, we run into this thing that we open when the opening segment is who's persecuted who. So so the Christian looks at all this sort of... what. So let's just give names to these things. We're living in the time of, of a sexual revolution. So there used to be certain cultural, and I would probably say theological expectations around marriage and intimacy that that were not only embedded in culture, but also embedded in, in our law. There's a lot of things that were considered to be wrong, both morally and actually legally. And then, for whatever reason, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons. Some of them, I imagine, are technological. In fact, I mean, I imagine a lot of this stuff goes back to the probably the birth control pill. But anyway, for, for all these different reasons, in the 60s, we, we get this sort of watershed moment of sexual revolution that says that the, the cultural, moral, and legal laws that govern human intimacy are are wrong and ought to be changed. And so we, that that began before that, but that's really the watershed moment. And we are that that just can, is continuing to march on and on and on. And now it goes under the moniker of the LGBTQAI stuff. That's the that's just what the revolution is is, is doing, and it wants to redefine the both the cultural and the legal code of what's right and wrong when it comes to to sexual intimacy. So what, what's the AI in the is it artificial intelligence? Um, no, uh the, a I don't you shouldn't ask me that because if I <laughs> you're supposed to know all these things. I just know the LGBT LGBTQ AI because I watched all those ELCA convention videos. Oh, I, I was going to say being in Austin has really honed your awareness of the acronyms for that. Movement. No, it was watching the ELCA videos. Oh, I see. Honed okay. it. Uh, a must be. I must be. I think it's artificial intelligence. So we have to. We have to make sure that it's we're not artificial intelligence. Okay. L, L means lesbian. The robots are very upset gay. about this that they're not LGB. part of the. <laughs> That's right. B means bi. T LGBT means transsexual. <laughs> Q means either queer or questioning. LGBTQA. So is it Q slash Q? There'd be like a double Q. It could be. It depends. Okay. Double meaning. Yeah. I mean, it's hard I mean, to keep up. I mean, if I was so Q, point, I would be upset That's that why I don't... the plus. Right. I mean, if if I was Q, I'd want my own letter devoted to my cause, not have to share it with another cause. But you know, whatever. Right. And put it first. Mm-hmm. Q. L G whatever. Yeah. Okay. What does LGBTQAI plus mean? Can I, can I ask Google that okay. question? Okay. Uh let's see. Um A uh, oh A can either mean asexual, 
Oh, aromantic. Of course. A gender. And I means intersex. Oh, okay. And plus is for those who are in the process of self-discovery. Got it. All right. Well, I think we're going to have to finish up this uh, discussion on Taylor Whoa. Swift's song. What was it called? Uh, you Need to Calm, calm down. down. Calm Which Down. Is, Do I sound excited, by the way? Yeah, you need to calm down, sir. I, Sorry to, try to stay m- make here. assumptions on your best way to gender. calm down is listen to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and then be right back. Uh, more about this song from Taylor Swift after this short break. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller 1 is the channel name. See you there. By the way, the music video for this Taylor Swift song has uh, a bunch of uh, angry white people that are old and messed up hair protesting all the uh, protesting like the gay wedding going on in the music video and stuff so yeah there's, there's the there's the image that Taylor Swift has has left for you in in this song so that's right comb your hair if you're not overweight <laughs> and you comb your hair you're basically a member of glad <laughs> all right well uh, let, let's let's I do, dive I do in. wonder sometimes I mean I want to mess up my hair sometimes just so people don't wonder <laughs> Let's dive into the actual lyrics of the song and see if we can okay. make any sense of this. Have you figured that out? That this there's this kind of this sort of what there's a pre, there's a preening nature, especially to the G business, and there's an anti preening, oftentimes to the L business. Just if since we're stereotyping, <laughs> never never noticed that, but interesting. Okay, well. Don't think about it too much. Okay, so the first the first stanza here says, "It's seven a.m. and you're on Twitter making fun of me," and and Taylor's like, "What? Are you all right?" And she makes a good point. I mean, come on, this sort of this outrage culture. At least wait till nine. Jeez, <laughs> it's, it's not yet nine in the morning. Are you drunk? <laughs> this is uh, it's it's so you gotta. There is this. There is a way where there. Uh, the, okay, let me let me just make this quick little point here. Is that uh, with, the, with the people that are on the other sides of the Twitter? Or, well, Twitter, you never know. It could be robots, but on all the other social media stuff, it's mostly people that are all over there. So, like when someone sits there and busts my chops on the YouTubes, you know the YouTubes, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll go on there, and and they'll they won't say you're an idiot. They'll say. The man who made this video is obviously an idiot who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, the reason I do that is... Oh, just kidding. (laughs) Who wants to bring, you know, 
I don't know, whatever. And, and then I'm like, hey, guy, I'm right here. I can actually read what you're writing. So, you know? so the assumption is very impersonal. I mean, they think that yeah. it's like it's like they're it's like they're leaving um, a bad review for Walmart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like who, who? It's not like the the CEO of Walmart there in Arkansas is reading all the 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 review the Google reviews of the, of all their stores. I wonder how many people follow the Walmart. <laughs> Three hundred and seventy-eight thousand subscribers. Why do you? And they've only made a hundred and eight videos. Uh, what? I just think it's, it's hilarious. I, I I mentioned Walmart, and I said, I wonder how many subscribers they have. Like, yeah, like that's right. inferiority complex. Much? I'm seeing. I got to check Kirk Cameron again. <laughs> Where is even his YouTube channel? I don't know. Okay. What were we talking about? So the Taylor second stanza is where it kind of falls apart for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know about because you're on board. You're on board with stanza one. Is that what you're saying? I'm on board with it. Okay. Uh, we need to be nice to each other on the internet. That's I'm all, I'm all for it. Trying to change the tone of the conversation over here, you know. Yeah, you say it in because a tweet. That's a, a cop out. She says. Yeah, yeah. So you just say something to someone. At, at, I made a, I made a video the other day. Did I send you? I think I sent it to you about. Um, because I had all the, I've got all these Roman Catholic trolls on the YouTube's now. They're busting my chops about how I don't have the. I love saying "busting your chops." That's like the favorite. So they're busting my chops about not having the indelible character of ordination, and therefore giving people the fake sacrament and etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I made this video responding to them, and I sent it out to to everyone on the Wednesday whatnot and a few other people. I said, "Hey, what what do you think about this?" And they said, "Well, it's a little bit." It's got a bit of an edge to it. You can tell you're irritated. And I said, well, okay, that's, I appreciate that because that is not the, I'm going to say, this person, whoever this troll is over there, whatever Saint, Saint Villainy church he goes to and whatever, he's there. He's, this guy's a real person who was died for by Jesus, created in God's image and so forth. And I ought, to, I ought to treat them with the dignity that is called for by their humanity, not by their actions and activity. So... Anyway, but how do you know that the troll didn't sign up for your Wednesday whatnot, and then they're the ones responding saying you shouldn't send it out because it sounds too irritating? Uh, oh, so it's a big troll conspiracy. Yes, it's a big loop. Yeah, see, I got people trolling me, and then I got people trolling me, telling me <laughs> not to troll. They're the trolls. trolling the Wednesday whatnot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, see, this I is deep. You don't even know. <laughs> I mean, oh, what a what a quandary. <laughs> okay, so you're on board with stanza one, but now what do you do about with stanza two? How's it go again? I I had the lyrics up here, but then I lost. You them. need to calm down. Oh, is that the chorus? Uh, you are somebody that we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. Why are you mad when you could be glad? Sunshine on the street at the parade, but you would rather walk in the dark age. Just making that sign must have taken all night. Yeah, that's right. So you get all worked up about this stuff. Like, it, why does it even matter? Well, if it didn't matter, then why is there a parade about it? Come on. <laughs> I mean, what is the difference between a protest and a parade, really? It's not like the people in the parade didn't stay up all night making their flags. <laughs> F-L-A-A-G-S, you know. <laughs> That's just, come on. If you're allowed to have a serious opinion about one thing, then someone else has to be able to have a serious opinion about the other thing. Well, I, I it's think... not like humanity has been marching in pride parades for like the last six 
thousand years. It's like this is I mean, this is all of a sudden like two years ago, we make this thing that's never been legal in the history of humanity. Hey, this is a good idea, and and nobody is allowed to say, well, we, why don't we think about this a little bit? Because, you know, if everybody gets married, if every dude gets married to a dude, and every lady gets married to a lady, then you know what we don't have? We don't have children. <laughs> now, I I think. Um... Uh, th- this is an interesting setup because the first stanza, as you pointed out, is something that I think most people could agree with. That is that um, the kind of uh, trolling online, sending tweets at 7 a.m. instead of just talking to me. Uh, I mean, anyone can resonate with that because as we started the show, you know, everyone's oppressed. So everyone's on board with stanza one. But now stanza two brings in the cause that makes you guilty or the one that it's addressing makes you guilty from stanza one. So, uh, so, so someone who is opposing um, same-sex marriage, that person who would have such an opposition is also the one uh, in stanza one who's sending tweets at seven a.m. You see, so, so, mm-hmm. so, so the the song has a setup saying, "Yeah, those guys are bad. They're sending tweets at seven a.m. What what are those people advocating for anyway? Oh, traditional marriage." So in other words, uh, no one can disagree with same-sex marriage um, and have just kind of an intellectual thought about it. They're all just kind of online trolls. Right. That's right. And so you and it's this old what do we call this? It's the shame tactic. It's the it's the um, it's the giggle technique. You know, it's like I'm going to I'm not going to actually take up your argument. I mean, let's just even, you know, you and I have thoughts on this thing, but let's just take ourselves out of the particular issue and say, okay, well, let's just take, someone wants to take this fundamental thing like marriage, which has been foundational to human society since human society, and we want to totally change it by court action. And, And if anybody has anything to say against that, which you would presume that there might be something to say against it, that there might be some thoughtful, reflective person who might say, hey, you know, marriage is, is this for a reason. But we're saying, no, no, we're not even going to listen to it. We're just going to mock it because obviously you're angry and you're in other people's business. And what do you care? And why are you so upset? You need to, you need to calm down as if it's a matter of as if this is a matter of rage, you know. Mm-hmm. And that is not what I at least as far as I can tell, it's not that's not what I see. I mean, when you just take take another uh, question, which is another protest of the of the uh, so sexual revolution and the question about abortion, when I see people who are full of rage, it's not the protesters. In fact, every kind of pro life protest that I've been to has been particularly peaceful, and and there would be reason for rage here. People would say, "Hey, we're we're killing," you know, the leading cause of death in two thousand and eighteen was murder by abortion. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean that is that's reason to be upset. Right? Yeah. Oh, Excuse am I, me. Am I just filling time between your coughs? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> My throat got dry. I was <clears throat> Get all choked up talking about this. I understand. Sorry. But it's um it's bad. But I, but the people seem to be peaceful. It seems to me that that's the, the same when you go to the pride parades. It's um, the people who get upset are not the, are not the protesters. Not most of the time, anyways. 
Anyway, hmm. there you go. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose there's there's always two kinds of people on all these issues. I suppose, but uh, I think your point is is well made. Um, uh, so we need to have. I mean, I'm okay if someone wants to say, "Hey, two guys can be married." And we want to have a conversation about that. And I said, well, that's good. I'll, I'll take the point that two guys can't be married, and then let's we can talk about it. <clears throat> and we can actually debate about it because this stuff matters. But to just sit there and say, oh, you don't agree with me? Well, you must be from, you know, living in a van down by the river. <laughs> and I'm just going to make fun of you. Right, right. That isn't, that's not honest. Right. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, uh, that... I mean, that's that's part of the problem with where we are in, in as a society debating these things is um, the Internet has given us this tool that we don't actually have to sit down and discuss these things, um, that we just kind of circle up and watch YouTube videos of those perspectives we already agree with, and then we never have to engage. Um, but writing a song that Taylor Swift has set out to sing isn't really that endeavor anyway. ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, let's tie a bow on this song by Taylor Swift. So what are your final thoughts on this, and what uh, point of conversation would you bring to Taylor Swift next time you see her? Yeah, next time. Hey, Taylor. Hey, (laughs) T-Swivel. Is that her name now? (laughs) I I don't know. You're the one—you are my primary source in keeping up on all the cultural pop references. So if you don't know, I don't know. I'm going to say you found yourself on the— on the self-justifying side of the oppressor-oppressed deliverer triangle, dangerous <laughs> for your soul. And she'll say, dang. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, I, I think I might say, hey, it's okay to, it's okay to be uh, upset about things that matter. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to be upset about things that don't matter, which is why I also don't think people should be busting Taylor Swift's Swift's chops at 7 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) Who cares? It doesn't matter. But to bust someone's chops who says that let's remake something like marriage. Well, I mean, mean, do you think, and and I think this would be interesting because you're kind of involved in this, being a famous YouTube creator now. Your address, right. Um, You think that the the Internet um, is still a useful channel of debating topics like this so you have be it you know theological like maybe your channel would be or or things like um you know what the definition of marriage even even though that seems to be kind of gone now i mean i mean it, it can, is there still a place for beneficial discussion and conversation to be taking place over the internet or must this be, is is the is the tool just inherently given over to um uh what hateful 
speech or no, no, quips I think it's ad hominems, whatever. No, no, it's getting well. It's, it could be, but it's um, but no, I think the, I think probably the internet has has made has made space for some more serious conversation than we've had in a long time. And especially with, so podcast is one of the ways that that's happening. And especially these long format podcasts. I mean, you and I, what's our show? 48 minutes. and We're kind of average. There's these shows that are hour, two hour, three hour long. And where would you ever be able to get something like that before the, before the invention of new media? And so there's these long, long format podcast there's there's really serious rigorous academic and philosophical and historical stuff work being done and it's without the constraints of of television uh you know of of having an hour long broadcast or whatever in fact i was thinking about this the other day because i did a series of like six interviews with flammy on cross defense talking about apologetics and we have our own you know it's a one hour cross defense show on monday and i thought this is not it just wasn't long enough. I mean, I just I need to not do a cross defense with him, but just do podcasts and say, look, we're just going to talk for for four hours or until the thing runs out, till we run out of gas, because um, because that's you, you know the, so there's space and room for that kind of stuff. So so anyway, I think it's you know it can it can go either way, but I think it's really. Um, kind of amazing how there's a new it's what uh like sam harris and jordan peterson call it the intellectual dark web which is the all, all the sort of young folks who want to press further in their own thinking and they're finding the internet a place where they can have these long and extended and important conversations so so um so I think the point is made that the the internet does provide a tool for the communication of those ideas, but is it a, is is it a, a place where debate of those ideas can can take place? Now I suppose one podcast can bring out one viewpoint and another podcast will bring out an alternative viewpoint. But as far as those two sides interacting with one another, saying like point counterpoint, is there is there is is that being done anywhere on the internet where it's a civil, honest, intellectual conversation without just kind of throwing insults at one another? I don't know. I think so. Like I went on that atheist debate show. Remember, I went on there twice and I got shellacked <laughs> by the old atheists over there. But I think it was friendly. I, I think so. I mean, I, yeah, I think it can happen. I'm not sure if people are 100% interested in it because one of the things that happens is we get interested in our own ideas. But here's something. I, I, I was going to tell you about this, not on the show, but I might as well. Tell, I mean, it's not a secret or anything. But like one of the things that happened the other day, I did this. YouTube video on did Luther say that Jesus became an adulterer and I talked about that table talk quote where Luther says it and I pulled in the quote from from Galatians and and uh and I made a YouTube video about it now that then I made a blog post which was even longer in which I put Luther's entire commentary on Genesis uh, sorry on Galatians 313 and it's it'll print out about eight pages it's a long discussion there and so the YouTube video hopefully takes people to that and makes it longer. Well, someone put up a quote on that which says, "Didn't L Luther was a scoundrel? Didn't he say that God was the devil before he became God in his Psalm 117 commentary?" Hmm. Well, now this week or sometime soon, I'll make a video about that particular quotation from Luther, and I'll talk about some of the other things that Luther said in his Psalm 117 commentary, and I'll publish the whole thing as a blog, so that hopefully 
the people who are so, sort of pulling these little quotes, these little sort of anti-Luther tweets, they have their little book or web page that says all the miserable things that Luther said to use against YouTubers <laughs> or whatever. And, and, but the people who are honest and looking at that will say, well, I would like to understand it in context. And they can go in and they can read it. And I can just actually take the whole commentary and post it up there as a blog post and point people to it so that there's, there's long stuff to go and engage in and, and to wrestle with. And I, and, and I see it now as an opportunity for, for this conversation to kind of keep going on. Now, not everybody is going to go and read Luther's 30 pages on Psalm 117. And it's amazing that it's one verse and he has this huge, massive commentary on it. It's beautiful stuff. But some will, and there'll be some fruit to be gained from that. And and uh, and I and and for those who want it, it, it's there. The information is there. It's wonderful. So would would your would your main um, critique of Taylor Swift be that she um, has the wrong perspective, or she's just wrong on the matter of of marriage, uh, or is it more philosophical in nature to say that? Um, that anyone who disagrees or has uh, has an opinion opposite of what people presume to be glad um, is wrong. Well, it's I I would say that you know T- Taylor Swift is working from a certain worldview, uh, and she's what she, she and and she has this this thing going on where she sees people who friends of hers who are whatever they're on, they're trying to press forward with their own sort of sexual identity i presume and they're getting grief for that and that makes her sad and so she's got a platform to say hey quit making my friends upset mhm so i yeah. mean i think that's probably all it is i mean she's kind of on the on the middle of this thing right or it it, it it it's sort of she has friends that are in the sexual revolutionary category and she sees the battle and she wants it she wants it to stop so right but but it's i don't think it's a real I mean, I, you don't, it's a, there's a, there's another weird thing that's happening with, and this is always happening in our preaching to Hollywood thing, you know, in this song too, I suppose. And that is that once you become a celebrity, apparently you're an expert at things. That was, we were talking about that when last week, when we were talking about the Kanye, remember the Kanye, who's a Christian now? Mm-hmm. And we said, well, j- people think, well, he's a Christian. Okay. That's great. Good for him. But the problem is, but because he's a celebrity, he also must be an expert at everything that he does, including being a Christian. And that's just, it's just wrong. Just because you're an, a celebrity doesn't mean that you actually know what you're talking about, about anything. And so that's probably the thing that we should say here. I, but, but there is something, now I was trying to figure out why. And I think the reason why is because the celebrities, especially the musical celebrities, are probably the closest thing that our society or culture has to poets. You know the poets, remember? Mm-hmm. In the ancient world, or even in just the old world, the poets were the people who were supposed to be watching and listening and taking, having wisdom to apply to the world and taking that and wrapping it up in words for the rest of us to, to reflect on. It was the Poetry was supposed to contain some sort of wisdom and... And now we have our poets are the pop stars, and and so we kind of give that same sort of authority of the sage to them, when really I just think that it's probably mostly done by computers and handlers now. Yeah, I mean that's not always the case. There's 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 some wisdom and some and in, in some poetry in some places, but but in general we probably give a little bit too much authority to the celebrity. 
Yeah. No, I, I mean, definitely. I mean, um, you have people who, who will make these statements and, and their credentials are that they play roles in movies. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what makes that, but, but there's, but there, but for some reason that gives them a sphere of influence, right? I mean, because I enjoy watching you play a part in a TV show makes me want to listen to your opinion. I mean, I, that seems like a non sequitur to me, but in the minds of a lot of people that matters for some reason. Yeah. And I, we, I mean, I suppose we've always been that we've always had this sort of instinctive heroism. You know, we want to have people to look up to and, mm-hmm. and who's it going to be? I mean, what choices does our culture offer? For the heroes, it's one of the reasons why the martyr, the Christian martyrs, are so important. And it's another, and and even just to read the Bible and recognize that the men that that the Lord introduces us here, the men and women that the Lord introduces us here, are our heroes. That they believed in Jesus, and that's what it means to be a hero. All right, that's all we have, time we have. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, Thanks for guard. listening <laughs> to this edition of Table Talk so Radio. There's table so Talk Radio is not for everyone. I always thought people looked at their pastors as their heroes. Listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, aversion to intense aquatic imagery, psychosis. You go to the Winkle, you're like, you guys have this hero worship problem. A sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalist on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Everyone, by the way, at St. Paul says, am I allowed to listen to Table Talk Radio? And you know what my answer is? No. No.